From the Old City, a practical Torah commentary by Gutman Lodge. Deuteronomy 3.23, the Eschanan. The richest portion. If it could be possibly said that one portion of the Torah is richer than another, this week's portion would have to be the winner. Of course, if any single letter of the Torah were missing, the entire Torah would be totally unusable. This shows us that no letter in the Torah is more important than the next. Still, when learning this portion, we see the broadest and deepest Torah of all. Here are just a few of the fundamental subjects discussed in it. 1. The Ten Commandments are repeated this week, and we have already learned that they sum up the entire Torah. 2. The Shema is given. The Shema teaches some of the most prominent mitzvah we have, such as you shall love God and His Torah, you shall take it to your heart, teach it to your children, tefillin, mezuzah, sitzitz, and the rewards and punishments within the Torah. The Shema itself outlines the essential path we are to follow. 3. The deepest Kabbalah is explained in this portion, when it says, You have been shown to know that Hashem, He is God, there is none beside Him. This tells us that somehow even the physical creation is Him. 4. It also says, You shall know this day and take it to your heart that Hashem, He is God, in the heavens above and upon the earth below, there is nothing else. Moshe said, You have been shown that there is nothing besides God. How can this be? What does it mean that there is nothing besides God? Certainly we are here, and the material world is here. Is the Torah saying that these entities are God? God does not die, we die. God does not break. Everything else in the universe certainly breaks. How can it be that there is nothing but God when all of these other things are here? Furthermore, first it says that there is none beside him, and then it says there is no other. If the Torah already told us that there is none beside him, why does it also say there is no other? And why does it say, know this day and take it to your heart? If we know it, why do we need to take it to our heart? Indeed, this is not only the deepest mysticism possible, but it uncovers one of the greatest arguments among even the most learned scholars. Many say that the phrase, there is nothing else, simply is a metaphor, and that its real meaning is either there is nothing else important, or there is nothing else independent, or since all things are dependent on his will, it's as if there is nothing else. While others say it means exactly what it says, truly, there is nothing other than God. Who is right? To understand this concept, use light as a metaphor. The human eye cannot see the actual light. What we see are the things that are revealed when the light shines on them. When we bend sunlight through a prism, we see the basic colors, the rainbow. In this illustration, the light is the universal and the colors are the particulars. Although the many colors are certainly real and present, they are being made out of the one light. There is nothing there except the light. We started with the light, and we added nothing to it. If the light were to be turned off, the colors would cease. The colors are merely one aspect, an additional revelation of the nature of the light. There is nothing there but the light. 
The colors can be broken, but this does not break the light. The colors can be separated from each other, but this does not separate the light. The appearance of the colors can be terminated, but this would not terminate any of the light. Whether the colors become revealed or are hidden from the human eye, still the light itself is unchanged. So it is with the Creator and His creation. The Creator forms the creation out of His Word, His thoughts, His being. Unlike man, whose words and thoughts are other than Him, God and His thoughts are a simple, single one. There was nothing other than God existing before he made the creation for which he used to make it, and there is nothing other than God existing now that he has made it. Truly, he is all. But if this is so, why did the Torah have to say there's no other besides him? This is addressing the subject from the lower perspective, the perspective of colors being visible the perspective that considers the multiplicity of things in the universe. This is why it goes on to say, besides him. It is saying, yes, there is something else seen in this perspective. There are you, me, and all of the rest of creation, but do not be fooled by all of these other things. Even though they are other than each other, they are not other than him. Even though the red is other than the blue, they are not other than the light. And why, then, did the Torah have to go on and say, there is nothing else, when it already said, there is nothing else beside him? It is because the phrase, there is nothing else, addresses the subject from the higher perspective, the perspective of the light, and not the perspective of the colors. At this perspective, we focus only on the light, God, and see that there is nothing else. And why, then, does the Torah say, know this day, and take it to your heart? Isn't knowing enough? No. Right now, this very minute, you can know this, but it is not enough. You must take it to your heart again and again until this knowledge becomes part of your life and not just an intellectual understanding. Then you will see that really there is nothing else. The Aleph, the first letter of the Hebrew Aleph Beit. As we said, the Ten Commandments are repeated this week. When they were first given in the Parsha of Yitro, we mentioned that these ten sayings sum up the entire Torah. Also, the first of these commandments sums up the ten. The first word of the first commandment sums up the first commandment. And the first letter of the first word sums up that word. How can the five books that change the entire world possibly be summed up in a single letter? If a society had no other laws than these ten, its people could live in peace. Surely as life became more complicated, more details would have to be added to its legal system, but these basic laws could guide a community to live a peaceful life. If we knew only the first of these commandments and knew very well that it was God who took our ancestors out of slavery, we would always be thankful. We would always be aware that he is omnipresent and all-powerful. With this awareness, we would naturally not want to do those things that are forbidden. In fact, all of the commandments except for Shabbat are quite logical, especially to someone who knows God so we can begin to understand the statement that the first commandment sums up the ten.
The first word of the first command is Anochi, I. If we could understand the depth of this concept, it would sum up the Torah. Remember, the Torah was given to us because we were not able to maintain the main requirement of life in the Garden of Eden, not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A number of times we discussed how it is that all this diversity is here, yet there's only God. We saw how, in fact, he is the indweller of all things, the eye of all. There is one overall eye and many, many little eyes. The little eyes are beams of the overall eye, but this is hidden from them. They each think that they are a separate, independent eye. If a beam would really understand Anochi, the overall eye, he would not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He would see that all is the doing of the one eye, and he would happily work tending and keeping the garden. And what about the first letter? The first letter is Aleph. Here are just a few of the things that the Aleph teaches. 1. The Aleph is written by combining a Yud, a Vav, and a Yud. The Gematria, the numerical equivalence of Yud is 10, and Vav is 6. The Yud, Vav, Yud of the Aleph adds up to 26, which is the Gematria of Hashem, Yud Ke Vav Ke, God's name. 2. There's no particular sound to the Aleph. Its pronunciation will vary according to its use. This is like the life force of all beings who takes on the form of whatever it fills. 3. If you could completely unfold matter, it would actually disappear, just as your lap disappears when you stand, or as a fist disappears when you open it. When you fold an olive in half diagonally, you see the secret to creation. The higher yud folds over onto the lower yud. This lower yud comes into being by folding the olive. The upper yud comes down and is now lying on, becomes the lower yud. The higher yud has a point above it that points to the place from where it comes. This higher yud then points down as if it is pouring itself downward. The top and bottom of the lower yud are parallel, with its lower corner pointing slightly down. The parallel signs of the lower yud indicate that it is limited. The bottom corner that points down points to the direction where the lower yud goes. Besides the folding, we see an aspect of descending by the letter Vav. The Vav represents drawing down and actually looks like a yud being drawn down. Here it also presents a border between the higher and lower yuds. We see that the lower world, the place where we live, is actually the higher world being drawn down onto it, but made parallel or finite. And all of this, the higher, the lower, and the border between them, is the Aleph, one. There is one dot com.